So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Okay, um, so welcome to Feature Creep, colon. <laughs> Built in microwave. Semicolon. Semicolon. Uh, um, intelligence design, intelligence, intelligent design is stupid. Intelligent design is stupid. Um, so I was thinking, you know, we were, uh, we were, we were doing research into transhumanism and we did that, we recorded one of those and we're still, you know, getting ready to record the second one. And in that I it reminded me some of the ideas of um, in transhumanism where we talk about like um, the idea of like modifying our own biology, right? Like making changes mm-hmm. to our existence. Um, and it got me thinking about how some of the, some of the arguments for intelligent design are kind of the idea that like that's already happened, right? Like in a sort of, um, so I think before we get to that, we should kind of, um, go back to the idea first of all like intelligent design typically is is um put forth by creationists people who um who believe very differently than you and i um (laughs) but uh you know jesus told me so jesus told me so so uh early in 1910 so i'm we're looking at the intelligent design article on wikipedia as as of um, December 29th, 2020, um, they were, uh, so back in the, you know, evolution. So in 1910, evolution was not a topic of major controversy in America. Um, but, Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like Like people weren't like, Oh my God, evolution's like ruining everything. The idea Mm -hmm. of it. Um, people were like, okay, that seems to have some scientific basis. Great. Keep going. Um, And so, but then in the 1920s, there was a, um, a fundamentalist Christian opposition to teaching evolution. Um, and that kind of formed the origins of modern creationism. So, um, so some like this, like small group of hyper-religious people were like, I don't like this and somehow managed to undermine the very concept of teaching evolution in school, like way down the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so te- it's like this says teaching of evolution was effectively suspended in us public schools until the 1960s. Yeah. It's a fucking and nightmare. Then, yeah. And then evolution was reintroduced into the curriculum, uh, accompanied by a series of court cases where <clears throat> people sued to have creation creationism, taught alongside evolution in science class as if the two deserve equal merit. Yes. Yeah. Or as if the two present equal merit and therefore deserve to be treated on equal footing, which they don't. Uh, like creationism is total bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, um, it's garbage and, and it's, it's, so it's a pseudoscience, um, it's a pseudo-scientific argument for the existence of God, right? It's this idea that... Um, 
yeah, rather than describing anything about how the world works or the interaction between forces or molecular biology or like tectonic for like any of that stuff any of the stuff that's taught in actual science class that has to do with falsifiable information that you can test and like yeah empirical evidence and things like that like creationism doesn't give a shit about any of that they're just trying to prove the existence of god yeah and depending on who you talk to um i well let me back up i think that um this is basically the equivalent argument of um you can tell because of the way it is, right? <laughs> yes. So uh, basically, like most of their arguments are things like, um, well, that's a complex, crazy organism. Therefore, someone must have designed it. Therefore, God. Um, right. And the the sort of convolutions and logical arguments that sort of bend around until they can get there, get more complex, the more complex the um scientific like the the evidence is right so they oftentimes they're focused on basically interpreting existing evidence as as proof of god by saying like you know well the human eye like it's this most amazing you know complex organ and therefore must have been designed by a god because no no mere mortal could have designed that or sometimes if they're a little smarter about it they're like you know it's just so complex it must therefore be the existence of god because look how great it is but then when you actually look at it you're like no it's actually awful um you know the <laughs> right. fact like, that pu- like the f- putting a vagina next to an asshole yes exactly like it's all these you know it's like none of this all of this is clearly evolution is like it's that occam's razor kind of idea of it's like you know you don't assume like you don't assume zebras when you're when you hear hoof beats right you're like mm-hmm. it's better to assume horses because that's more likely what it is um yeah. the best of course is to go verify and find out actually what it is and barring mm-hmm. that you kind of work from assumptions um, <clears throat> and then write it down yeah. And then show it to somebody else and be like, hey, take this thing that I wrote down and go recreate it and see yes. if you agree. Right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> like intelligent design that's is it. dumb. We're done. There's not much else it's to done. say about that. Um, no, but what I was thinking it. about was um, <laughs> in terms of the idea of intelligent design where there are these um, these people who are uh, – to put it nicely, like, so Dana would argue that we could say maybe misguided or, um, you know, maybe thinking in, in, in tangential terms to the main body of science. But, um, I like the term idiotic and sort of, you know, just delusional, but, um, delusional, I will grant you it. Absolutely. Delusional, (laughs) uh, uh, their arguments, but some of the things, would I could see come to pass in the sense of like as transhumanism moves forward and we have more and more ability to affect our own DNA and those of the organisms around us, um, we start to take a hand in the design of those species, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. talking about um, mice that are growing human ears for transplant, that's a designed organism. Yes. Um, and, you know, I'm notice I'm not using the, the intelligence modifier there because that is still out for debate. Um, we'll see right. the verdict is out on that, whether the, whether that's the jury is out, the verdict has not been reached about whether we're intelligent. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, anyway, that's a, that's kind of a separate issue, but, um, the, we're definitely designing organisms at this point, right? That's my point. Oh, yeah. Like we're making, we're making decisions about, our own biology, um, you know, we recorded and talked about, and hopefully uh, if you're listening to this, you also listen to our short on uh, sickle cell anemia, 
um, where we now have um, gene therapy that seems to be very effective, um, which is fantastic. So that's yeah. a that's a like a willful agent of design going on there, and where we're like, oh, we're going to step in and and make changes that didn't emerge from like a natural system or a non right. non human inter- intervened system. So. Um, you know, I mean, the, the the semantics of like what is natural and what's not natural is obviously, I think, clearly defined in terms of like when we say that we usually mean other than human, right? Um, like a natural world where, mm, where humans yes. have not yet um, intervened. So yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I, I thought about intelligent design in those terms, but there's some pretty interesting, um, interesting things going on with... Uh, Intelligent design, like I, I'm sure most people in America or in the U.S. are aware of um, how that kind of came about. When was that? There was like, there was a more recent. I feel like under Bush, there was a lot of that going on. Um, mm, w um, Bush W. Um, so in June 1987, yeah, there was a United States Supreme Court ruling in the case of Edwards versus Aguilar that is unconstitutional. It's unconstitutional for a state to require the teaching of creationism in school, public, public school science curricula. Right. Right. Um, like, I think that's why it got into the popular consciousness, maybe in the late eighties. Like there was also a book of pandas and people, that was published in 1989 and mm-hmm. included all of the current arguments for intelligent design. And it says here was the first book to make systematic use of the terms intelligent design and design proponents, mm-hmm. as well as the phrase design theory, defining the term intelligent design in a glossary and representing it as not being creationism. So like, <clears throat> I think, um, Like I, it kind of feels like maybe they were trying to be less religiousy about it, but still argue the same thing. Yeah. So it seems like at some point there was a move to remove the the moniker or like the term God and just say some some unknown agent, right? Because um, if you're looking to like deconstruct um, things, sometimes you do it piecemeal, right? Like you're looking yeah. to like attack an idea and then bring it down and, and be able to like insert your own ideas into that. Like if you're just looking for your terms and stuff, which is where a right. lot of this, like, like it, it's weird to me because it's like a lot of this feels like as science progresses and we get things more established as fact, it's like, there's that, um, if you're a creationist or you're kind of trying to, you know, hold on to your beliefs in the mystical, then, you just keep moving your peg forward to just be ahead of it, right? You're like, okay, but everything else we don't understand is God. Like, okay, so we understand that. That's fine. Okay, so that's not God. But after that, then that's God. Everything everything we can't yet explain, that's God. That's what I mean when I talk about religion, right? Like, I believe yeah. in God because of, you know, because we don't know, and therefore God. Um, yeah, it's like people draw a line around a scattergram of ideas, and then just everything inside of it, they're like, well, that's all God. Right, right. Yeah. All those things that we can't explain, that's God. Mm -hmm. And then as they fall out, because science comes along and says, oh, you know, hey, like we've done a lot of work and we understand this better, then they're like, okay, well, that's not. But the the rest of it. The unknowability at any, like stick a pin in a timeline of human development. Like, hey, today's December 29th, 2020. Uh, 
if you stick a pin in the timeline today, here's like a bullet pointed list of everything we think is true, right? Yeah, and then there's yeah. this whole like list of like, I don't know, and we're just going to call that God and kick the can down the road to like 2030. And inevitably, some of the shit that's in that black box that's like, we don't know, it's God, is going to move over to the list of bullet points of things we actually do know because we can falsify them and test them and we get the same result over and over and over again, which is basically our definition for something is true. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And everybody else who tries it gets the same results essentially or within a really small margin of error that's usually accounted for by some factor or variable um <clears throat> so like the more you go there will always be things that are unknowable at any given time right and those things right. become knowable the further forward you progress or if you follow the arrow of time in physics like the further down the arrow of time you go in one direction more will be revealed because we will gain more and more knowledge and figure more and more things out and that's just the way things go and with technology that is not on a linear graph it's on an exponential one and so anything that re relies on technology to advance such as medicine and healthcare and things like that that's all going to go along too, right? And yeah. space exploration and, and biology and all of the sciences, like all that shit moves forward together. And as it becomes more and more clarified, it raises more and more questions about things we didn't know we didn't know. And then people are still going to call that shit God someday. Right, right. <laughs> and, we're, and the rest of us are going to be like, well, don't hang on to that too tightly. I Yeah, I think um, when I kind of went down this rabbit hole many years ago, I... Um, <clears throat> I discovered the term atheism or agnostic, which is the idea that um, it's like, I, you know, like I'm fine with the I'm fine with the term atheism, like especially in the like the the normal definition, which is to say without theism. Like I I live my life without theism. I don't I don't have theism in my life. But um, for many people, it's like too much, right? Because it's become this like this movement of fucked upness and like, you know, people are like, Oh, it's just a religion because blah, blah, blah. And all these things. And so whatever well, that's idiotic because it's not, yeah. there, it, it lacks any of the central like, yes. Yeah. It things lacks that define a religion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the idea of agnosticism is the idea that the question of the existence of God is meaningless because the word God has no current coherent and unambiguous definition. And so the sure, point, like, yes. so an atheist like stance is like, but what do you mean though? Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I, I can't, I can't tell you whether I believe or don't believe in that until you tell me what it is. Like, right. what is it that you mean? Well, it's the, yeah, mag you know, if, if we're talking about the magic sky fairy with a big beard and he's old and he's vengeful or not vengeful, depending, um, then no, no, of course not. Like that's, that's absurd. But, um, you know, then other people are like, well, spiritual, but what do you mean though? What is, what, do you, what, what do you mean by that? Um, yeah, well, and even if one person can tell you, the next person's going to give you a different definition. Like, yeah. Uh, I was raised Catholic, so technically I'm Catholic. I was confirmed Catholic. Like, lots of people didn't have to go through all of the dumb shit that I had to go through in that fucked up church right. because my parents made me, right? Right. So, like, if anybody has a claim to being a Catholic, I fucking do, and I'm not. I'm not claiming anything. because, Well, unless it gives me moral superiority over other people who are making really, like, um, uh, ridiculous claims that are based in religion. Anyway, right. yeah. um, and then I'll just whip it out just to be an asshole. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know uh -huh. um but uh yeah like i am i we were just talking about this the other day here at our house that um 
like I, I don't see any evidence and never have at all ever not once for the existence of God and so it's uh, like many other things I don't see the ex- the uh, evidence for I just don't think about it right right it's like, not there so I don't think about it along with all the other shit that doesn't exist that I don't think about yeah I mean I'm I'm the same way it's like it doesn't serve me um to accomplish any of my personal goals in any way um you know like i want to have good relations with my you know good relationships with the people around me and i want to like, <laughs> and good relations <laughs> good relations yeah i mean you know some of watch them watch out for ned right um, <laughs> but uh no i mean like i want to have a good relationship with the people around me and i want to like forward my own ideas of what it means to be a good human being and like how um how people you know, might have better lives. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, for me, like God doesn't like the idea of like religion and all of those things don't serve any purpose for me, not to mention that they're like, you know, the idea of prayer and things is like, you know, it's never been an effective way for me to accomplish any of the goals. And it's not, even if sometimes it worked, it's so inconsistent that it's not something I would add to my own model of the way the universe works. Right. It's like, you know, it's, it might as well just be as other random noise that's in the background. Like, it's like, nope, that's too random for me to rely on. I want something that's like effective. Yeah. What you said made me think of something here where you said that like, uh, you, it's not something that you build into your model of the universe, right? Right. There's not very many people, I don't think, who actually have a model, a working model of the universe in their head. There's not like having I, a having sort of like a unifying theory to things is not something most people spend their time thinking about. Right. Well, I would argue that we're, um, we're I both would, like science people. So I would mar- I would modify that statement to say that there's not very many people who consciously think about the fact that their brain is a model of the universe. Like that's how, that's how we, that's how you pick up a pencil, right? Yeah. Your brain, like as a child, you inherently do this. Like as you're developing, your brain is mapping and modeling the way the physical world works around you to the point Mm -hmm. that then you can, you know, your brain makes these little predictions about how that pencil is going to behave. You expect it to have um, a certain amount of weight. So when you pick it up, your arm doesn't fly up into the air. Like you just, you pick it up just enough. And when you learn to write, you're doing the same thing. You're refining that model, that physical model of the way a pen or a pencil works on on paper. And so part of that model is like, it's not even in words. It's not a higher function. It's like a built in, like sort of muscle, muscle memory, you know, neurofeedback loop that is modeling the universe. Because if you can't predict how that behaves, then you can't interact with it in a successful way. If your goal is to put the water in the cup and then bring it to your lips and drink it, in order for you to do that, you have your brain has inherent feeling and model of the way that the physical world works. And that's no different for, uh, I mean, to my mind, that's no different for any endeavor that you spend like time trying to do. Even just having yeah. conversations with people. I think where it gets fucked up is it's like um, it's or or where it's complicated is when you're interacting with other like other entities that have self-agency. Right. Because, right. Yeah. Like it's often uncomfortable when you feel like other people are inflicting like rules and like constraints on you. But that's their way of trying to normalize and fit you into their model of the universe, because sometimes mm-hmm. it's easier for them to not change their internal model 
and just have you be the way that they'd like you to be so that their internal model can continue to function, right? Like right. their ability to predict and understand how things are going to behave. Um, that's my, that's my personal interpretation of that anyway. Um, yeah. That- Which is why it's like, you know, I don't just because I, I don't personally ascribe to any kind of religious thinking. Um, I do spend some time knowing about it because it helps me understand how those people um, that do ascribe to it think and believe and feel right. Um, like if I can understand how they see the universe, then I can be more effective in my interactions with them and like be less, less yeah. of a road bump and have less, you know, painful interactions with them and have better communication, um, right. which is my personal goal, right. Is to have better communication with people. So, yeah. It's also, you know, helpful to know who to avoid in certain cases. Sure. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes the best communication is none at all. <laughs> Just walk away. None at all. Um, yeah. So I think um, what other people think is important insofar as it is yet another stream of information about how people see and interact with the world around all of us. Right. And so... Um, if you're really interested in getting at the truth of something, yeah, you're probably not going to believe in intelligent design, first of all. And second of all, you will still nonetheless, as we do, value the differing opinions of other people insofar as they help to illuminate more of how the world works because people are in the world and how they think makes them behave certain ways and that impacts how the world works. Um, and so it is valuable to examine other people's beliefs frequently even if they seem utterly ludicrous to you yeah um and so that's what you know the truth the, the capital t truth is all the things it's all the stuff it's not something that you can write down in a book or capture in words and sentences that are finite it's not it's it's all the things happening all of the time and all of the ways that the things that are happening interact with each other and all of the relationships at work and all of that stuff also there's like no light in the universe and everything you see is just light waves bouncing off other shit it's not actually a color. Right. right. You know, right. like shit like that. So like I think about that. I think about like um, like n- none of what I'm looking at is actually stuff that I'm looking at. It's just the light bouncing off of it. And like if people look at me, they're not really seeing me. They're just seeing the light bouncing off of me too. Right. right. <laughs> Where does that fit into intelligent design? I, I, I mean, I yeah. I also <laughs> – something I think about um, <clears throat> when I was <laughs> – this makes me think about when I was studying physics um, that I remember the first time I learned that, um, you know, most people, when they study physics, they learn sort of Newtonian physics, right? Like force equals mass times acceleration. <laughs> yes. And, yes. Um, and the first time that I learned that that was, uh, so we often refer to that as a law, right? As in like, it's the immutable nature of the universe. Well, it turns out that it's actually only really accurate here on the surface of the planet right so there are certain places in the universe where that works well but um quantum mechanics which i both don't fully understand and also beyond the scope of explaining for this podcast but quantum mechanics so quantum mechanics is much more complicated and it can also give you good it can also arrive at force equals mass times acceleration right like it can give you the same expression or the same the same predictability right so if we're talking about like i'm standing here and i want to throw a one pound rock you know uh 
20 meters in front of me, like how much effort do I need to put into it to get it to go to that point? And what does mm -hmm. that look like? So force times mass or force equals mass times acceleration um, gives me that answer, right? But it doesn't give me that answer in all contexts. It only really gives me that answer in the context of being here on Earth or on, yes. you know, on this planet um, or a planet, but mostly similar to this one. Um, whereas quantum mechanics can also do that much more complicated math to arrive at the same result. If mm -hmm. I'm standing here on earth throwing, you know, six, you know, 20 ounce apples or something like, and so there's, it, this is one of the things where I think about like my own internal model when I'm thinking about it, it's like, if I need to have a higher order concept of understanding, it's good to have shortcuts. It's not reasonable for me to go through the the like complicated quantum mechanic calculation every time I want to know how much a pencil like how much I might think a pencil is going to weigh or how hard it's going to be for me to like throw the paper into the waste bin from six feet away. Um, mm -hmm. So oftentimes I know that I have shortcuts. It's mostly for me. It's like I want to make sure I understand that it is a shortcut. There may be a more complex model, but it's not reasonable to like internalize that model. Um, in its complexity because, you know, I have that finite ability to like think through things before it's time to act. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't understand why I was saying that now, but anyway, I'm not sure, but I really like quantum mechanics. And, like, I, it, I, I think <laughs> I, no, I do. Yeah. It's funny because I was never great at physics um, because I, because it's a lot of just like, figuring things out in math you know yeah. what i mean i and think that it's not it's not that I, I dislike math or have a lot of trouble with math it's just that i think the way that it was described to me and its utility was explained in terms of it not being a type of language and i think the way that it, i would be successful understanding the math where i left off which is to say calculus yeah um is for me to understand it in terms that were not the terms that it was explained to me and not in the context of why it would be useful yes it was explained at the time and yeah so, like uh it just wasn't and you know i was like fucking 17 when i took physics so it's like i right. just wasn't that interested in it. i was much more interested in what better just just naturally at biological sciences and i'm great at those like i'm really good at that uh -huh. um and I am really interested in it. And I'm very interested in physics, too. I just was not um, proficient in it. And so as an adult, neither am I now. However, in the last two weeks of high school <laughs> physics, yeah. we finished up early because that was like the class that all of the like honor roll kids took and stuff. Uh -huh. And so everybody there was really driven and like, Ugh. anyway, uh, we got to the end and I was not good in that class. I was I didn't get great grades. Um, I mean, I got B's, I think. Hey, but you know. uh that's probably yeah, the highest grade like, I ever got in any class in high school. So, you can just consider yourself an existential failure if you get anything underneath an A minus. <laughs> and I do. And I do. <laughs> I I didn't, <laughs> but you know I question the utility of that type of thinking. So sure. yes, also <laughs> me. All of my current neuroses today uh -huh. and getting A's in high school doesn't actually do fuck all for you. No. So um we like managed to get done with all of this stuff super fast in physics, and so our teacher was like, "Hey, let's just like fuck around and learn about quantum physics for like two weeks," and I was awesome at it. <laughs> That's awesome. And everybody else in class was mad at me because they're like, you couldn't fucking make it through most of the tests and you're sitting here and none of us understand this. You get it. And I'm like, I, can, I don't know why. I right, do. right. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but I'm t I like totally get this. Why couldn't we have been doing this all year? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's awesome. 
yeah i i had a similar um my teacher was also a little bit irritated with me too <laughs> like we've struggled all year to try and teach you concepts and then the last two weeks of shit that is not even part of the curriculum you're like he's just nailing it yeah that's nailing awesome. it without yeah. it oh i get this like <laughs> oh well oh, so well. i do really enjoy quantum mechanics and quantum physics although don't ever ask me to do the math i can i can explain i'm really good at understanding it and then explaining it to other people who don't get it yeah well that's where i think that's where um a lot of the a lot of the sort of physics and like really like highly abstract stuff is is complicated because it requires you to know multiple languages in a way right like you need mm -hmm. to math in and of itself is one language that you need to understand um and be pretty fluent in um, right because anything that you can explain in english you can basically write out as a math yes um equation or if not equation like whatever yeah I mean, well I, like no it's just symbols for different things that you could give words to and then the symbols interact with other symbols in ways that are highly predictable right and, and those very, things yeah. describe movement or mass or acceleration or gravity or like whatever right light waves like but instead of saying like oh light travels in a wave function across this much distance and it does it in this much time you can say all of that in numbers and gobbledygook that turns out to be math <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> turns out that's math <laughs> yeah it turns out that's math and that's um i think it's it's really fun when you can reach a point where you can kind of speak it and get into it because there's really interesting mm -hmm. um problems and stuff and maybe we'll uh maybe one of these podcasts will get into some of the the more interesting ones without yeah. going too into the math because i think that's be um fun. like quantum mechanics has some really interesting like observations well, it's I led just, to some really interesting discoveries, I should say. Yeah. I really like how it deals with stuff on super tiny, tiny, tiny. Yep. That's what I really like about it. Is, yeah. Is, uh, when I think about stuff like this, <clears throat> speaking of intelligent design, mm -hmm. I just think about like, okay, well, you're, you know, also all of this shit that we're talking about is just somebody's opinion until somebody comes along with a more better formulated opinion. Yes. Yeah. Really. Like yeah. I mean, that's the that is the <clears throat> the beauty of the, the best scientific of our method, understanding. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, like, yeah, I think about how. Okay. Well, like, I'm a I'm a single unit, right? Like, I'm yeah. me, but inside of me are like trillions of cells and like oodles and oodles of other organisms that are just hanging out all over the place. They used to think like, <clears throat> oh, your urine is sterile and nothing ever crosses the blood brain barrier. And aren't we special, beautiful, shiny creatures that have like an ideal state that we live in? And it's all uh -huh. a lie. It's all bullshit. <laughs> it's, all um, it's like, this is nothing even remotely close to that is the truth. Yeah. And so um, you have got like all of these component parts and the parts have to function together in these relationships and the complex relationships are defined by all of these molecules that are being produced or that you're synthesizing from the environment or your food or like the bacteria in your gut are making so that you're not a crazy person or maybe that day you are because your neurochemistry is off because your gut's fucked up like right. all kinds of weird stuff and on a cellular level when you get down there like there's all of these molecules interacting and passing in and out of membranes and there's like osmotic tension and all kinds of like uh you know dissolved solutions that regulate the flow of like other chemicals and like somebody said to me one time, we're just sacks of chemicals walking around. It's amazing any of this works at right, all right. in terms of people. And so like uh, what we think of as a unit or a distance or a thing that is in and of itself is almost anything but uh, almost always. And like, uh, you know, you've got DNA in your cells. That's essentially like a cake recipe for making a human cake. 
And yeah. then a bunch of ingredients have to be in there and the recipe has to put them together in the right order. And if the recipe gets screwed up, then your cake gets fucked and all of a sudden you have cancer. Like, it's just incredible. And so like any, if we were intelligently designed, yeah. what's up with breast cancer, man? Like, you know, why is that happening? Or if we were intelligently designed, you would think that over time we would, <clears throat> you know, not be susceptible to things like whatever causes problems for us, environmental problems. Uh, like, I mean, it just, it's so intelligent design only works if you have the most cursory, superficial, rudimentary conception of how things work together in the world around us. Yeah. It's so reductive. It's, yeah. Um, um, it is, it's I, very reductive and, and it's just kind of, I noticed here that the, yeah. the National Center for Science Education criticized um, and it, like basic arguments of intelligent design proponents and um, were upset about intelligent design being promoted in schools and uh, especially before any research had been done to support any of the arguments for intelligent design being presented yeah. in schools. Um, <clears throat> the... People have basically called it garbage. An ACLU lawyer described it as a political tool aimed at students who did not know science or understand the controversy over evolution and creationism. And there really isn't a controversy except in the 1900s. A bunch of like, like we said, tiny little group of religious people were like, yeah, we don't yeah. like this. Um, Early 20th uh, century. Yeah. Yeah. One of the authors of the science framework used in California schools, whose name is Kevin Padian, condemned. Uh, intelligent design for its subtext and intolerance for honest science and its incompetence. I think, you know what? I think actually describing intelligent design as incompetent is like, that's pretty straight up. Yeah. Like it's just, it is grossly insufficient for the type of explanations that we're capable of. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's <laughs> grossly incompetent. <laughs> That should be the title. So uh, it can be intelligent okay. design, comma, grossly incompetent. Grossly gross, incompetent. Gross incompetence. Incompetence. Um, yes, I love this. <laughs> yeah. Or gross incompetence of intelligent design. <laughs> I yeah, just, like there's just, yeah. we have so much better explanations for all of this stuff than what's offered to people through intelligent design. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah demonstrably better i love this i just noticed too there's um there's actually a term for one of the things we were talking about where it's like uh, -huh. uh so they call it uh intelligent design has been characterized as a god of the gaps argument which is to mm. say if there's a gap then we just shove god in there um mm -hmm. yep and yeah. uh which i love it's like it's it, the God of the gaps argument is kind of great in the sense that it's like, if you look at it at face value, you're like, okay, so we have, we have this, like, we're going to understand a topic, right? Or we're going to understand something. So we're looking at mm -hmm. like, um, you know, this dinosaur fossil, right? Yes. And so God of the gaps is like, okay, like we look at the dinosaur fossil and we only have like, um, you know, a hip bone, uh, a couple of neck bone, like, you know, uh, vertebrae, yeah, vertebrae, um, and we've got like, uh, you know, God, I hate that I don't know the actual terms of all the bones you might have. But anyway, we've got we've got these bones, right? But we don't have all of them. Scapulas. And and then the argument Some is basically patellas. they're like, because we don't know 
all of the bones and we can't we don't have evidence for all the bones then that therefore god exists mm-hmm. like that's the Wait, leap right? i don't know something so it must be god right it must be god like we don't know we don't know how we got here but we do know that it exists therefore it must be god um right metatarsals metatarsals which goes back to my my thought of like ichthyism where it's like well okay if your definition of god is the um basically we're using the term god for things we don't know then okay i believe that there are things we don't know if we're in agreement that that's what that term means it's kind of like on our war war on christmas where you can substitute the word family for guilt yes Um, traditions yeah. are peer pressure from dead people. Peer pressure from dead people. <laughs> I also love, um, there's like my favorite thing about, uh, or the thing that I find, I don't know if it's like schadenfreude or a little bit of like, it just tickles me a little bit is that the issue with, um, intelligent design is the problem of poor design in nature. Like, you know, yes. it's like, okay, it's a major right. sticking point. Like, you know, one argument could go kind of like down the path of like, okay, I'll take your argument that, that design, that, that, uh, the, the existence of, of humans or the existence of these, these mechanisms in nature is the proof of God and okay, but this God that you're describing is not that intelligent, makes a lot of dumb mistakes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, whereas, you know, it's if you look at the like the theory of evolution, it's like, well, that's a pretty there's there's really good compelling evidence for this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it explains a lot. Um, but more importantly, like I like to think of it less as explanation and more as like it's the current good model. Right. If I'm interested right. in predicting how things are going, then um, then evolution works well for me. It's, it gets more positive results for me if I want to know how things might move forward, right? In that, right. in that, like, it's a little abstract because typically, like, I'm not looking to predict how an animal might look in 50,000 years or in another 20,000 mm-hmm. generations. However, I am interested in maybe, like, bacterial infections or viral infections and understanding the theory of evolution helps me understand how they might progress, Right. Um, yes. which we do use that science all the time. And um, I can't think of any like, like why that might be relevant right now in our lives, but you know, I'm sure the listeners have some good ideas about that. So, right. Yeah. What's interesting to me, I read um, down a little bit further about the, the actual movement of intelligent design, the intelligence design, design uh, movement. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and how it like came out of creationism in the 1980s. And yeah. so, um, like everybody in academics, everybody in science and everybody apparently in the U S federal court considers intelligent design, a form of creationism. Like people try to talk about intel- intelligent design as though it did not come from a religious source. Uh huh. And yet that's exactly where it came from. Um, right. so the other like weird thing about this is that, the goal of people who study science and do science is to like try and eliminate things from being possibly true. Like I think of science in a lot of ways as a, as an eliminate a process of elimination. Yeah. 
when you were curious about a thing, you're like, well, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this. And sometimes what we know is the island in a sea of things that we've disproved. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So like, in other words, if you, in the case of a scientific mystery, you can observe that a thing is the way that it is and not know how to describe why. But you can eliminate a lot of things that you know are not the reason that that thing is the way that it is. And you can eliminate bad ideas Mm -hmm. and you can prove that some things are definitely not the case. And so you can you can positively discover something or you can kind of classify and get around the idea of something by figuring out what it is not if you are not able to nail down what it actually is. Um, But the whole process is not a process that seeks preemptively to do that one way or another it's usually if you're doing science in an unbiased way you don't have a specific desired outcome you just have curiosity that leads you in different directions and you test where you're going the whole time Mm -hmm. what i find so gross about the concept of intelligent design or creationism is that a lot of the folks who like the center for science and culture Mm -hmm. sounds like Okay, whatever. Science and culture, people, great people doing science. Yeah. Established in 1996 as the creationist wing of the Discovery Institute. <clears throat> um, the Center for Science and Culture was designed to promote a religious agenda, calling for broad social, academic, and political changes. The campaigns have been staged primarily in the United States, yada, yada, yada. Leaders of the movement say intelligent design exposes the limitations of scientific orthodoxy. And again, science isn't orthodox. Science does not dictate from the top down how things are. Right. So it is not orthodox. Right. There is no such thing as scientific orthodoxy that is an oxymoron um, and exposes the limitations of secular philosophy of naturalism. Naturalism has been challenged within the philosophy of naturalism, (laughs) like all kinds of shit. Like nobody's saying that naturalism is the way that things are. Yeah. No one's saying that. It's it's an an argument that people put forth, but it is by no means like a philosophical foundation or anything like that. So intelligent design proponents allege that science should not be limited to naturalism and should not demand the adoption of a naturalistic philosophy that dismisses out of hand any explanation that includes a supernatural cause. So in other words, these people want you to accept that something is true, even though there's no evidence for it, And there's no signs of it being true. There's no signs of it being anything. You can't test against it. But like the fact that you can't test against it, which is totally unscientific, is not averse to these folks. They want to, quote, reverse the stifling dominance of the materialist worldview Mm -hmm. represented by the theory of evolution in favor of a science consonant with Christian theistic convictions. And so the stated goal of intelligent design is to cast creationism as a scientific concept. And it's not, it's not, I mean, it's well, okay. Um, in the pure, like you can apply the scientific method to it and then ultimately it goes away because it's not, um, it, it doesn't like the scientific method, like at some point you're just like, okay, who cares about intel? Like, then why do we need to have the concept of intelligent design? Why can't we just go back to doing science? Um, like, and I, I think yeah it's a huge detour for no reason yeah yeah like there's no evidence to suggest that it's a like a really promising avenue of like research um right. it did occur to me that um there is like a way so 
to kind of go back to our designing or, or to uh, transhumanism and the idea of like designing a human or designing like a biological entity, um, mm-hmm. which we do, right? So like we're messing with crops and things like that. So um, one could argue that um, that the term intelligent design could be so if you were let's say you were uh, an alien or some some let's just say you're some country that like so let's say uh there wasn't some like national news cycle where or or international news availability and no one mm-hmm. knew about um someone doing genetic modifications on crops and so no one knew about this and then you were like doing some research say in a different country where you got your hands on some kind of like genetically modified crop and then you started to suspect that this crop was designed you could make an argument saying oh there's there's some intelligent design going on here as in there's an entity besides evolution that was in play um yeah but you know that that's basically going what like it would be in a you're it would be some kind of some kind of actor a c t o r an actor upon yes. the natural process that was going on right right that and would, that's yeah and to, and in that regard um you know and this is i i want to qualify this with like i don't there's no evidence for this and i don't believe it um although i don't really believe much but um you know, if you wanted to get into the realm of like conspiracy theory and stuff, like there's definitely mm-hmm. better evidence or better evidence. There's, there's more, one could apply the scientific principle to discovering if our own genes had been sort of manipulated by aliens, for instance, right? Like some alien entity had like, you know, there was some like other, um, mm-hmm. other living organisms that basically seeded our planet or things like that in science fiction. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's certainly a better place to start than um than the nebulous just like you know because god right like and also there's no evidence for that right like when there is then we can have that discussion but there is no evidence for that so i'm not putting that forward as saying like that's a good argument i'm just saying that that's um you know in my mind in some ways like when i think of intelligent design that's the first thing i think of mostly because i've read a lot more science fiction than i have religious texts right like Mm -hmm. you know i think of the idea it's like oh you know maybe there was some other like spacefaring culture or some culture that's like hey let's throw some genetic material down there and and you know tweak it a little so it's ready to go and then you know boom you have humans or whatever but um again science fiction not real no evidence for it um right yeah (laughs) uh (laughs) Evidence is not one person saying it one time. <laughs> right. Or even a hundred people saying it or a thousand or half the, you know, half the nation. Like that doesn't, that doesn't just make it true because people want it to be true or people say it is, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like the basis of the scientific method, right? The idea is like, I don't have to, I can tell you all day what I think this means, but until you go home and falsify and, you know, falsify the data and make, you know, find some evidence for it, in on your own terms then there's no you know there's no reason here now obviously um you know there's so much to know about the world that it makes sense to kind of allow some things to just be taken on on you know face value but um i don't know i mean i i think you know part of my education was a big part of it was like going through and like establishing evidence for myself right and seeing it and saying like yep these methods work like the reason that you know people keep applying the scientific method in its current rendition is because it works and when it stops working 
whatever is better will replace it. But right. I can tell you right now, intelligent design is not it. No. And it's funny, like, um, there's a bunch of religious leaders who are totally against intelligent design. Yeah. Um, like, a bunch of Christian denominations have signed an open letter affirming the compatibility of Christian faith with the teaching of evolution, which I find really interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to even get into that, but I just think it's interesting that like a bunch of people who got all of their ideas from religion are claiming that their ideas are not religious so much so that other religious people are like, you're full of shit. Right. And, and we know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the teach the controversy thing? Yes. Yeah. So like just for people who don't know about this, like, the teach the controversy thing was like um it came out of the design what is it the the discovery institute Mm -hmm. so it was this campaign that um followed a strategy to like drive wedges in between um like it's a it's a, a political and social action plan that the discovery institute puts forward to change american um american values basically change american culture by shaping public policy to reflect politically conservative fundamentalist evangelical protestant values so that it's called the wedge strategy there's even a document it's it's the manifesto that they wrote called the wedge document and it's all it's their basic like game plan to shove um, intelligent design into schools to bring about a change in the thinking of those people who are exposed to it such that they grow up and change culture and politics. Oh. And like, it's super gross. And um, the the Teach the Controversy campaign was one of their like step-by-step programs to actually drive this wedge in and use it to break open the the current state of politics i guess if that's how you want to describe it so Mm -hmm. um the teach the controversy campaign claims and this will sound so familiar to people that the fairness and equal time the the concept of fairness and equal time require educating students with a critical analysis of evolution where the full range of scientific views evolution's unresolved issues and the scientific weaknesses of evolutionary theory will be presented and evaluated alongside intelligent design concepts like irreducible complexity and so what they're not saying is we have a better version than what you have of what you're talking about and here's how we will use our better version an explanation of things to systematically answer the deficits and errors in the theory of evolution that's not what they're doing they're saying evolution's got all these problems we're not going to discuss any of those we're just going to teach you a totally separate completely removed alternative way of thinking about things that doesn't involve the first process whatsoever like um they will they present like they present this like alternative set of ideas as though it's a counter to evolution and it's totally not. So that's also very bizarre. It's basically like, it'd be like, Hey, I know that you guys are having a birthday party, but also I'm just going to throw in this made up holiday along with your birthday and you're going to have to do it in the spirit of fairness. 
Right. And it's because I think your birthday's insufficient in ways that I won't get into or address with my little holiday that I'm wedging in here. But just know that this needs to be here too, or it's unfair. Uh huh. As though, like, as though criticizing evolution and talking about it is not the big picture. It's only half the picture. There's also this unrelated other picture over here that deserves equal time. And like, the whole institute proposed critical analysis of evolution lessons plans are like horse shit like yeah. calling it a critical analysis hijacks respected language in academia yep yeah and uses it for purposes that are not critical they're not analytical but that's that's our um like that's a huge problem in the u.s currently is that there's the hijacking of language so um like a lot of a lot of the rhetoric uh attempts to attack and dismantle scientific discourse based on what has been established good scientific rhetoric which is oftentimes um limiting in scope statements of fact to really specific things um using really like you don't use authoritative language you use language that um that kind of establish like you know when you're reporting on your findings you don't say things like therefore this is true across the board or therefore i know all the answers now like you would only say things like um it suggests right like the evidence that we you know the data points that we collected suggest that there may be a trend in this direction or um suggest evidence in support of the concept of and so rather than um what apparently is appealing to the public which is to say i have all the answers and this is what it is so now yeah. you don't have to worry about it anymore which scientific yes. discourse would never say that never ever ever say that it would say here's what i think is happening what do you think is happening based on what i saw and what are you observing that i missed right right and so um i think that's where it's you know one of the reasons i'm glad i I spent a lot of time studying science is that I'm, I, I can now appreciate, like, I'm not, I'm not susceptible to that language, right? Like mm -hmm. for me, it's like, if you're saying those things, that's a red flag to begin with. If you're being right. that assertive, I'm guessing you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, right. If there's no room for um, understanding and also like recognition of the like complexity of the universe, then, uh, you know, fuck you like you don't you're not an expert mm -hmm. and you don't know what you're talking about and i don't i don't have time for your bullshit um right you know yeah like so um even to that point like there the the hijacking of how other people do things and like renaming it in your own image is not like legitimate right i'm also um, just thinking about earlier off podcast when we were discussing um when i was asserting that you must buy a 13 inch computer no question and you're wrong <laughs> Um, right. You're right. You think you want a larger computer, but you're wrong. Right. I know I'm an or I'm an authority on this topic. Right. <laughs> about like, you and what you prefer. <laughs> Sorry. The anyway. annoying thing about like the whole teach the controversy yes. thing is that the guy who who said that, who said teach the controversy, is an English professor. Yeah. And teaches English and education at the University of Illinois, Chicago. So Ugh. he's like an actual professor with actual academic credentials that mean something. Uh, and not he, anymore. He said, teach the controversy um, as a, and he was exhorting other people who are teachers to establish to to point out that established knowledge is not a settled matter that um, oh, well, whatever we think is the case is the case. 
is just the case right now based on the best information we have at the time and that we're going to accept that until something better comes along and then we're going to do the due diligence of yes, right. testing so, okay. against it, sure. right? right? And so uh, an actual like academic said this and I, there's nothing upsetting about that. I agree. No. Okay. Yeah. Said, so I agree with that too then. Right. He so he himself, wasn't. Yeah. No, he's not the guy. He himself is a liberal secularist. Right. He's not a religious person. And his whole idea of teach the controversy was co-opted by Philip E. Johnson, the discovery Institute program advisor and the guy who the, the guy who's been pushing the intelligent design movement since the eighties. Oh God. <sighs> It sounds good because it was good until somebody fucking stole it and shit all over it. Yeah. You know, I remember seeing a, t- a, t- a T-shirt that had like a graphic on it where it was like, Barry, you see it as like a cutaway, right? So yeah. kind of like an ant farm where there's like people on top of the ground and then you can see what's under the ground as well. Yeah. And what's above ground is a person like a like a humanoid character with a shovel digging in the dirt with a pointy tail and like horns like the devil and then what's underground is the um <laughs> is dinosaur bones and like, uh-huh. fossils and then over it it says teach the controversy <laughs> which i think was a reference to the idea that like and this is probably crossing streams with like religious quackery yeah. but of the idea that like the devil showed up and planted the for young earth creationists like planted um um fossils to like throw people off the scent uh-huh yeah yeah you know teach the controversy right teach. so any yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous it is pretty um, ridiculous um yeah Anyway, yeah. I just I think it's interesting that like they don't even have any of their own ideas. They have to steal everybody else's ideas and then be like, "But God, though." Right. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I guess so sometimes the, I just struggle to understand why um like So yeah, like these people are not trying to get at the truth of anything. They're trying to systematically change who the people are in charge and what they're teaching to get you to believe whatever they're trying to cram down your throat. They don't give a shit about the truth. Yeah. Yeah. They don't care about understanding the world around us. They care about controlling people. True. Yeah. They, and it's right there in their in all Yeah, I guess that's really it. It's like and and I think this kind of goes back to um I think it's kind of a normal desire to want to um, have the people around you think and behave in a certain way that you can understand. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess there's like two ways of going about that. One is to spend the effort to try to understand the individuals around you or the other way is to just get everyone else to believe what you, you know, what, what you want them about. to believe so that they behave the way you want them to. Um, exactly. And I feel like that's, I I think you can kind of count on that being uh, an unconscious desire or like a very base desire that you maybe don't even, like a lot of people probably don't even put into words. Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, I I know I do it in my own relationships a lot of times, right? Like it's like, you know, hopefully it's fairly innocuous. Like I'm just kind of like, but I want you to love me. So why don't you do this thing that I, you know, expect of you or something? But um yeah. Anyway. Um, um, well, the, the, teach the controversy is like um, the National Science Teachers Association and the American Association for the Advancement of Science and uh-huh. the so- American Society for Clinical Investigations Journal of Clinical Investigation all called teach the controversy uh, a hoax 
<laughs> and um, <clears throat> and said the controversy is manufactured along with the objection that there is no scientific controversy to teach. Right. Right. So right. Like, yeah. that actually like there is no controversy. You're just building a straw man and then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying which, to get people elected to school boards who are creationists. Oh, God. The worst. I know. Um, okay. Well, unfortunately, I actually have been enjoying this conversation. I do have to, um, I'm going to have to get going. But I thought before I go, um, I mean, I'm assuming you're not going to stay on and continue. I'm just going to step out now. You just I'm carry just the going podcast. To, well, this is going to be super entertaining because I'm going to wait for your responses. <laughs> and, and when I think you would have been done responding, then I'll just start talking again. Okay, that's fair. Um, really I thought good. we might try uh, our new segment, which is color of the day. <sighs> the color of the day. What is our color of the day? So I have... Uh, what I've selected or what's been randomly selected for us is dark mm-hmm. pastel green. So oh. um, this color, which I will uh, send you a, how do I share your colors? Let me share, share the colors. Color. Or share well, the, so, share the, the wavelength of light that's reflecting off of whatever. We're yeah. So uh, the RGB values for dark pastel green is three, one, nine, two, sixty. And um, or the hex the hexadecimal value is uh, hashtag o three c o three c or zero three c zero three c. So this color is I would actually I would think of this color as very similar to Kelly green. Um, it reminds me of like the first thing I thought of when I saw it was the color of fake Easter grass in a Easter basket. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's definitely, um, I Mountain Dew bottle. I like this color cause it's a little bit deceiving when you read it or hear it dark pastel green. You think of it, you yes. think of a darker green than it is. It's actually, it's pretty bright. I mean, it's, it's right in the, it's real close to the middle of just full on mm-hmm. green, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's like, like if you have the like plain green, like the CMYK, like just plain old green on your screen it's a little less intense and vibrant yeah than that yeah but it's definitely it was, when you said that it was a pastel i was thinking like oh like sage like a kind of a dusty a little bit washed okay. out a little a, bit a little bit washed out color but no this yeah. is very bright this is like this is straight up like industrially processed fake grass green yes yes right <laughs> or like the color of a green m&m almost uh-huh yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, food dye that they oh, claim is okay if you eat it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. This is fine. Otherwise, why would we put it in food? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good color. That color is, um, it is not a color you would want to paint the exterior of your house unless you hate everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you wanted to prove a point and make your house into an eyesore, this color would be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could definitely <laughs> this would a full like full sighting of this color would be really intense to look at. Um really bright. Yeah. It would make all of the green if you have like a yard or trees around, it would make them all look like fake and dirty and yes. Yeah. It out. would put all the rest of the green on your property to shame. 
Um, Aside from a coral reef, I don't think you'd ever see this color in nature. <laughs> no, no. Like maybe like really fresh young green leaves as they're kind of coming out of a, like mm. I could um, maybe yeah. see that. But yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. It's that's a, my, that's our, green. that's our randomly generated. I mean, now hand picked boutique. Like what is it? Um, oh God. We specially, specially chose this color for this day specifically. Um, we spent a lot of time. Yep. A lot of effort. A lot of like research went into this color. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's really like if you're not wearing this color today or you're not, you know, incorporating it into products that you're selling today or whatever, um, you're missing the boat because this is definitely like the color of the day. No question. It is. Um, oh, my God. It's you're going to so see it everywhere. It's it's really trending right now. So um, perfect. Yes. Perfect. It is perfect. Yeah. It's nothing like the emerald green that Pantone had for their color of the year a couple of of years back. No, no, it is much. Uh, it's it's better. It's more nuanced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say, like it's it communicates a lot more meaning in it in it in itself. Like I think it conveys the zeitgeist a lot better. I I would agree with you there. I think it definitely right? captures the meaning of today. Um, yep. Like I had to stifle a gasp when I first saw it because I knew you were still talking and I was just bringing it up. So I saw it and I, I was like, "Green light, go for COVID vaccines." Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, how timely is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it's also the green that you could maybe see on the outside of a dumpster fire. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like especially Shout as out like to if our you friend with her twenty twenty <laughs> dumpster fire, best swag ever. Yeah. Well, actually, um, so if you're listening to this, uh, you're probably listening to this in the new year of 2021 sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Did I already plug our email or ways to get a hold of us? I'll do it again. Um, do it again. If you had any this thoughts. This time, can you say it with a little more green in your voice? Yes. Let me. Uh, okay. All right. <clears throat> so if you listen to this podcast so uh, and you are interested in giving us your opinions or thoughts or ideas or comments about um our topic today which was intelligent design is what did we decide on it i feel like we had a good title uh, garbage stupid dumb. <laughs> stupid stupid yeah i feel like we had a different one anyway yeah, we'll stupid, go back because and, you know anyway, if you're listening part. to this uh, and you'd like to let us know what you think about it um and we'd love to hear from you you can email dana our executive assistant and her email is d-a-n-a at fcbm.io and if you send her a message, um, she'll either get back to you or she'll send forward your email on to us and we'll respond. And we'll also maybe talk about it on the podcast if it's if it's relevant and important. Um, you know, so let us know what you think. Everything you have to say is important. Yes. I mean, to the podcast or, you know, if you request us to talk about it on the podcast, I'm sure we will. Um, or right. if you say, please don't talk about uh, this on the podcast, we'll also probably try to honor your wishes there. So mm-hmm. um, we'll do what we can. Uh, anyway, open dialogue. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you.